David's story was being told in the modern media, his greatness would be overshadowed by his sin. But the focus of God's Word is different. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at why David is considered one of history's greatest men, despite his shortcomings. From the series, The Tender Warrior, here's Dr. Jeremiah to conclude his message, Introduction to David. And thank you for joining us today. Have you ever had anybody say to you after they have related the story of something that has been done that shouldn't have been done, and then they explain it by saying, but he has a good heart? You know, that's often an excuse for bad behavior, but in the case of David, that is really the truth. David had a heart toward God, and no matter how far he got away from God, he ultimately came back because his heart was toward God. And we'll hear more about that today and in the days to come as we study the tender warrior, the life of David. And now we begin with uh, part two of the introduction We'll have more to say about this at the end, along with an explanation of our resource for the month and some other good stuff that we want to tell you about. But right now, let's get to the study of David's life. You know, no matter what you may say about the way the family treated David, David treated his family right. I'm overwhelmed as I read his story and discover how tender he was toward his father. And even though we don't have his mother's name, she is mentioned by two occasions. And we know who she is by virtue of the occasions David mentions her. Later on in the story, there's an occasion when David is being hunted by Saul as a refugee. And he begins to worry that because they're after him, they may come and hurt his parents. And the story is that he went to his parents and he took them to the king of Moab, who he had befriended, and asked the king to take care of his mother and father until the turmoil was over because he loved them so much. And when David was in exile, running from Saul and hiding in caves with his band of renegades around him, protecting him, on one occasion he spoke kind of, Off the record, he said, you know, I'd give anything if I could just have a glass of water from the well in Bethlehem from which I used to drink as a boy. And one of his brave men took that as a challenge and decided he would please his commander, and he fought through the lines to the well of Bethlehem, and he brought David a glass of cold water from the well, which reminded him of the place where he had grown up. David's family was important to him. David's home life was key even though we cannot see that he was wonderfully accorded a place of blessing, his home life was important. Let me suggest thirdly the context of David's life biblically, historically, and personally, and biblically. David is a very important person in the total context of the Bible. He is mentioned more in the New Testament than any other person, 56 times. If you read the New Testament, you will find his name 16 times in Matthew, 7 times in Mark, 13 times in Luke, 2 times in John, 11 times in Acts, 3 times in Romans, once in 2 Timothy, twice in Hebrews, and 3 times in the book of Revelation. Every time you turn around, David is being referenced in the New Testament scripture. In fact, if you were looking for the man of the Bible who has the most complete biography, David is that man. Whereas Abraham is important, only 14 chapters in the Bible are given to tell the story of Abraham's life. In David's life, 62 chapters of the Word of God are devoted to the story of this man. 
because his life is so central and so important. David is a man of greatness because of the context of his life, historically, personally, and biblically. But secondly, David is a man of greatness because of the charisma of his life. David was a charismatic, in the Bible sense of the word. What I mean by that is, it wasn't his denomination, it wasn't his religion, it was his personality. He was a charismatic person. We know from reading the story that he wasn't a big man. His brother Eliab was a lot bigger than he was. But he was strong and he was athletic. He had quick feet. He could jump over a wall or he could outrun an entire army. He was so strong he could take an iron bar and break it. And the stone which he threw at Goliath from his sling was thrown with such accuracy and with such force there was no follow-up work necessary. David was too small to get into Saul's armor, but he was powerful enough to kill a bear and a lion with his own hands. Physically, David was quite a specimen. In fact, if you have your Bibles open to the 16th chapter, you will notice in the 12th verse that he's described for us to some degree. We learn that he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look to. Now that's not very much, but it tells us enough to know something about David. He was ruddy. Uh, the Berkeley version of the Bible says it this way. He had a ruddy complexion, sparkling eyes, and a handsome appearance. He was a fair complexion. And many scholars believe that David was blessed with unusual hair, golden or reddish in color, which set him apart from his Jewish family and from his Jewish friends. When you saw David, there was something just striking about him. He was so different that some scholars have tried to make him an illegitimate son of his mother because they say he could not have been Jewish based upon the way he appeared. I have in my study the statue of David, the famous statue of David uh, in uh, simulated marble. And I've been studying that this week, seeing if I can pick up any of these features that I've been reading about in the Bible. David was a handsome man. In fact, when the scripture says that he had a beautiful countenance, literally the Hebrew there means he had large and liquid eyes. Can you get into that description? Here is this young and strong and athletic young man with beautiful hair, and he had unusually big and liquid eyes. And he was a charmer. 1 Samuel 16 and verse 18, uh, he's introduced to Saul. And notice what it says about him in the 18th verse. Behold, I have seen a son of Jesse, the Bethlehemite, that is cunning in playing, a mighty valiant man, and a man of war, and prudent in matters, and a beautiful person. And the Lord is with him. What a description. So David was a man of physical charisma. And then he was a man of personal charisma. His personality was just something else. David is the man in the Bible with whom it is easy for all of us to identify because nobody in the Bible touches on life at so many places as did David. And some of these things that happen in David's life, uh, he goes from one to the other so quickly you can't catch a breath. He's an exile one moment, and the next moment he's the king. He's a soldier one moment, and the next moment he's playing his harp. And you try to follow David, and the magnetism of his personality is overwhelming. He charges Goliath with youthful and daring courage. 
and he leads a wild band of outlaws with wise counsel. He moves with lightning quickness. He's gentle and he's bold. You try to figure out David, he's just, he's just charismatic. He was a charmer with the women. After he killed Goliath, he made the number one song on the hit parade in Israel. You know what it was? I know, it's in the Bible. He was number one hit parade song, and David was the object of it. And here's what the song said. Saul has killed his thousands, but David his ten thousands. That was number one in Israel for many weeks. Why? Because he captured the heart of the people. Here's this young, attractive, handsome, athletic, creative man who's also a mighty warrior. The daughter of Saul, Michael. She wasn't even asked. She just confessed she was in love with him. And Jonathan, Saul's son, he was David's best friend. And the Bible says they were knit together with a close relationship of friendship. The king of the Philistines one time said of David, he's as good in my sight as an angel of God. And I could go on to tell you all these things about the charm and charisma of David, but we'll get into that as we move through the series. He has equal ability with the shepherd's staff as he does with the sling. He deals with the scepter of the king uh, with the same comfortable way in which he deals with the lyre or the harp that he plays musically. David was a man of great charisma. I think I ought to also tell you that he was a man of national charisma. Physical, personal, and national if you have your Bibles open to 1 Samuel, turn to the 18th chapter and notice verse 16. Here's a good summary statement of the way the people felt about David. And all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. He was loved by everybody. David embodied the entire life of Israel. One man that I read this week by the name of Hastings pointed out that David stood for everything in the nation that was important. As the shepherd, he represented the working class. As the musician, he spoke as the musician for all of the nation. As the poet, he was the poet laureate, and the Psalms are named after him. As the king, he represented leadership within the nation. As the soldier, he represented the warfaring man. Go on through David's life, and you will see that he's a representative man, a man for all seasons. And the people loved him because they so identified with him. Yes, David was great. David was loved. David was used not only because of the context of his life, but because of the charisma of his life. God gifted him with great ability to draw people to him and to use his leadership in a magnificent way. Let me suggest to you thirdly that David was great because of his creativity. He was a creative man. David's a most unusual person because... While on the one hand he was a great athlete, on the other hand he was a great musician. And you know there's been a war between those two departments ever since the beginning of time. When I was in school, I played for a short time the baritone horn in the band until I used to get into a fight every day over whether I should be in the band or practicing basketball, and I gave up the horn. Every day I would be torn between where I should be. It was almost like you can't be a musician and be an athlete. What are you talking about? But David was. David was both a warrior and an athlete, and when he sang and played, he was a master. He was creative. In fact, 73 of the Psalms that we have in our hymn book in the Bible were written by David. 
And basically, David is the beginning of hymnody as we know it today. There are a few incidental places before the Psalms, before David, where you have music, like the song of Deborah or the songs that the daughters sang after they were freed from Egypt. But you have nothing in any way like the creativity of David. When you come to the Psalms, you open this up, and here is this creative genius that God created, and he's given us all of the hymnic literature that we enjoy. One of the books that has blessed me in the study of this series of messages is a book written by McCartney called The Life of David from the Psalms. And it's interesting because there's nothing in there from the historical section. They just take the Psalms and try to figure out where they must have fit into David's life. And each period of David's life, he did some of the composing of the hymns that we have. And in the early section of his life, when he was a shepherd boy out in the hills of Bethlehem, they have said that the probability is that David wrote Psalm 19 and, and Psalm 8 and more than likely Psalm 23 about the shepherd, that he wrote those hymns while he was out watching his sheep. Uh, I was studying his life and I was preaching in Canada and I had forgotten how different the skies are in Canada from the way they are here. I don't know how to explain that. I'm sure there's some interesting way to explain that. But uh, one night after I had preached in the conference session, I was out running. I've chosen to run a lot at night so people don't have to look at my pain. But uh, I was running and I had been reading the life of David and I've been reading these Psalms and especially Psalm 8 which speaks so much of the way God has wonderfully blessed this world with his creative hand. And as I ran, I looked up into the skies, and the skies were absolutely brilliant. There were no clouds, and all I could see was the darkness of the sky, totally dotted with the hundreds of thousands of stars which seemed brighter to me than they'd ever seen before. And I couldn't help but imagine that that young shepherd boy, so gifted with the charisma and creativity of God, was out on the fields one night, very much like that night. And he looked up into the skies and he saw the beauty of God's creation. And he wrote down in impressive form his response. Have you ever been so caught up in God's beauty that you could wish for the gift of the poet, the gift of the songwriter, well, David was so blessed, and we remember David because he has given to us all of these great hymns which he wrote. And may I just suggest to you that some of these hymns, which are hymns of praise and worship to God, have blessed us, but some of them are the descriptive phrases from David's pen of his own discouragement and depression. Some of those are the hymns David wrote about his own personal walk with God. Every once in a while I hear someone say, we ought never to use music like that in the church. We ought never to use music of personal testimony. If that were true, we'd have to get rid of part of David's writing. Because David was not ashamed to talk about the moments when he was discouraged and depressed. And we put that in the melodic strains of his music. And you can almost hear the minor key as you read through his writing. What a gifted creative man. David was great because of the context of his life and because of the charisma of his life and because of the creativity of his life. David was great because of the choice of his life. How did David really get to be king? I don't have time for us to look at all these passages, but let me just suggest to you that in five different places we are told how David became king. Listen to me carefully. God did it. God did it. God chose him. The Bible says that it's the Lord who sets one up and puts another down. 
One day God looked down and saw Saul's disobedience and he said, I'm done with Saul. It's David's time. And God did it. But long before that, according to the record of the scripture, in 1 Samuel 13, 14, we are told that the Lord sought for David. In Psalm 89, 20, we are told that the Lord found David. In Psalm 78, 70, we are told that the Lord chose David. In 1 Samuel 13, 14, we are told that the Lord commanded David. And in 1 Samuel 16, 1, we are told that the Lord provided David. I couldn't help but get caught up in those five verbs. He sought him, he found him, he chose him, he commanded him, and because of that, he provided him. God provided David to his people. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 13, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. And the 14th verse says, but the Spirit of the Lord departed from Saul. There was a moment of transition in the life of Israel when God, having seen the disobedience of Saul, took his spirit from him and put that self-same spirit in the heart of David. And David was chosen of God. And that's the reason, above all the other reasons for his greatness, we will see the sovereign hand of God in his life, in every experience that was his. When he was far from the palace as an exile, God was with him. And when he sat upon the throne of that great kingdom ruling in majesty and in might, God was with him. When he stood as a young boy with but a slingshot in his hand before that mighty giant, God was with him. And when he took his pen to write the great hymns which we enjoy as we worship our Lord, it was God who did it. There are no human ways to describe the greatness of this man except to understand he was the choice of the Almighty God. David was great because of the context of his life, because of the charisma of his life, because of the creativity of his life, because of the choice of his life. But I know you won't misunderstand if I close today by saying that David was great because of the confession of his life. Oh, listen to me, people. If we were telling this story as moderns would tell it, we would have started with his sin first and we'd have made his sin everything. We would have talked about how great David was, but how he really blew it. And how by his sin, he canceled out everything that God wanted to do in his life. That's usually the way we approach such stories. We are much better at telling how a person falls than we are dealing with that fall in the context of his greater life. But I was overwhelmed as I studied the life of David and came to the book of 1 Kings in the 15th chapter, and there I read the Lord's assessment of this man. He did not, in any sense of the word, leave out what David did, but he put it in in the way it should have been put in. For I think it brings a note of reality to the life of a man who might be so big in our hearts and minds today that we could not identify with him. If David, by his greatness and charisma and creativity and his ability and his charm, if David is not seen as a human, we will never understand him, nor will we ever identify with him. David was a human who fell and who sinned. And how did God judge that? What was his assessment? Read it carefully with me. 1 Kings 15, verse 5. 
because David did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. And he turned not aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, save only in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. I thought of that verse, and I realized how different God is from the way we judge a person. We take a man's failure and we make it his whole life. God takes a man's failure and makes it the exception to a life that otherwise had honored him. God said of David, he was a great man and he did everything right except he just did one thing wrong. And I won't cancel out everything he did right because of the one thing he did wrong. Christians aren't like that today, are they? We take a man who has fallen, a man who has sinned, and we make his failure his whole life. And we take that which is done to honor and glorify God, and surely you cannot do away with the consequences of his failure. David paid for what he did. Over and over again he suffered the consequences of his sin. But when God looked at David, he saw his failure as the exception, not as the whole life. And some of you here today, you think about a man like David and his greatness and his charisma and all of his creativity and his godliness and he writes half the Bible and you're saying, Pastor, I don't even know if I'll come back. I can't get into a man like that. Where do I fit into the picture? Listen, David was a frail human being. and David blew it. But God forgave him. And God looked back on his life and summed it all up. He said, let me tell you about my friend David. He's a man after my own heart. He did right in every way except in one matter. And I want to give to him the credit due. You see, the secret to David's life was his confession. Let me ask you this week if you get a chance to read Psalm 32 and Psalm 51. David didn't cover his sin. David confessed his sin and God heard him. And God restored him. And God gave him back his joy. And God let his life count for something. Some of you here today, you listen to me carefully now. The biggest lie that Satan will ever tell you is this, that you have made the irreparable mistake. The biggest lie Satan wants you to believe is that you have sinned in such a way that you can never come back. I want to tell you something. The God of David is the God of the second chance, and he's your God too. And I want that to be the final note of the message we say today. Well, today um, we finish up the introduction to the story of David. We've called this series The Tender Warrior. And uh, we'll be talking about David for uh, several weeks now going forward. This is an extended series, but it is a wonderful series of teaching on the life of this great Old Testament person. And he wasn't perfect. Uh, there are two lessons we learn from David's preparation for leadership, and that is that God is at work even when we don't know he is, and he does his work in a way we don't comprehend. We don't know what God is up to. Sometimes we don't really ever find out what he's been doing. We see the result of it, but we don't see the process of it. God had David's heart, and that's where he needed to go. And we're going to learn more about that as we move forward in the study of the tender warrior. I don't know if you've ever been to Israel before, but if you haven't, there's a wonderful opportunity ahead of you. Uh, March the 12th through the 22nd in the year 2024, we're going to Israel. We're going to have a great time. 
seeing Jerusalem and Galilee, the Dead Sea, the Jordan River. We're going to have Michael Sanchez and Uriel Vega with us, along with others soon to be announced. So you can learn all about it now by going to davidjeremiah.org slash events, and there you will get all the information on Israel, and I hope you'll make a decision to come and be with us. Please don't wait till the end. We we don't know uh, where this is all going, but the early interest and response has been really amazing. So uh, we hope you'll be a part of this as we go forward. And uh, we want to remind you that it's Friday and you need to be in church on Sunday. And if you can, watch Turning Point on television. We'll be where you are somewhere. And um, have a wonderful weekend. Be a great encouragement to the people you meet. Go to church with a word of encouragement and plan to be with us right here on Monday for the next edition of Turning Point. Today's message originated from Shadow Mountain Community Church and senior pastor, Dr. David Jeremiah. If Turning Point is helping you to grow your faith, please share it with us by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, RPO, Sawasan, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or calling 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of The Focus Life, a month of daily readings from Psalms and Proverbs in a beautiful leather-bound book, yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us Monday as we continue the series, The Tender Warrior, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Did you know that nearly 2 million Turning Point radio programs are broadcast each year? Your support enables Turning Point to continue delivering the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. And thanks to our giving challenge, any fiscal year-end gift you give until the end of June will be doubled, up to $100,000. You can help Turning Point finish strong by donating today. Call 800-946-4300 or go to davidjeremiah.ca. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible. Then continue the adventure with monthly audio adventures on airshipgenesis.com. Plus, download the Airship Genesis mobile game where kids will travel back in time to the life of Jesus. Blast off with the young one in your life at airshipgenesis.com. Do you ever wonder if we're living in the end times? In Dr. Jeremiah's book, Where Do We Go From Here? He examines what Bible prophecy reveals about 10 phenomena happening in our world today. Order your copy this month, and if you give $75 or more, you'll also receive Dr. Jeremiah's entire teaching series on CD or DVD, correlating study guide, and his interview special on DVD. Order now at davidjeremiah.ca. That's davidjeremiah.ca. John Wesley, the father of the Methodist denomination, exhorted his followers to be kind to others. And he put it in a very unique way. Do all the good you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. If we followed his advice, we would never, ever be unkind again. 
Kindness is mentioned many times in the New Testament as a trait of those who follow Christ. So look for an opportunity to be kind today, however, wherever, whenever, and to whomever you can. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's kindness on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. Route 66, start your journey home today.